I have a question. Are you mowing in the dark? Welcome back to the Mowing in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Sutter. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Friday episode. Guys, today, I know this week I have not put out any episodes other than this one today, and there's a reason for that, and I'm going to get into that in just a second, but today we're going to have kind of a twofer episode. So uh, because the Faith Friday today, we're going to be going into Acts chapter 6, and Acts chapter 6 is quite short. It's only 13 or 15 verses. And so you're going to kind of get a two for episode here. I'm going to tell you about my week here and things like that. And then about in the middle, we will get into the Faith Friday episode. So if you only want to hear the Faith Friday part, just fast forward ahead and get to the Faith Friday part. If you only want to hear how my week was and what's been going on in my life and business, then you can listen just to the first half, okay? So let's jump into today's episode. So I did not put out any episodes this week, uh, not on purpose, but my wife started out the week sick and uh, she was on some medicine that uh, was continually making her seat sick, like once, once, once a week. So it was an injection and it was making her sick. Like she'd do the injection on Sunday and Monday or Tuesday, she would like, she would throw up and it was getting worse and worse progressively week by week. And this week it got really bad, really, really bad. And she was sick for two days and she decided that she was going to stop that medicine. She's not taking that anymore. And so she's off that medicine. Praise God for that. And then she decided that, uh, she's been on a, a medication for anxiety because when she used to go to the office, she works from home now, but when she used to go to the office, she would get a lot of anxiety. She has a position where everybody thinks they have to stop and talk to her and she just got a lot of anxiety going to work. And so she had this medicine that she was on and it was helping. She's been on it for like two years, but since she's been working at home, she would rather not be on this medicine. And so she contacted her doctor and said, you know, I want to get off this medicine. What do I have to do? Well, the doctor said you have to taper down. So she was on a 60 milligram and he prescribed her a 30, which was the step down. That was the only step available down. And so she stepped down to the 30 and she took that for two days and she got violently ill, violent Lee ill. She threw up for three days straight. It was awful. It was miserable. She did not. I mean, obviously she didn't feel good. It was bad. And so we talked about it. She really doesn't want to be on this medicine anymore. And certainly not after this. And we talked about it and said, well, you got to go back up to that normal dose and we need to find a different way to bring you down off this medicine. And so 
she has figured out a way to reduce the medicine gradually over time. So that's what she's doing. She feels much better. But the whole reason I'm telling you this is not to divulge my wife's information, but to say that I was just exhausted. I was taking care of the boys and and trying to take care of her and doing all the things that she does, which is a lot, and still trying to do what I could do for myself and my business. So that's why I didn't get any episodes out this week. It's just been a trying week. Um, it was it was just bad. A lot of time spent in prayer just for her specifically. Um, if she would get up in the middle of the night and go puke, I'd wake up because I'd hear her and I'd just pray for her. And she'd usually be in the bathroom for an hour or more. So I was just, you know, in the middle of the night, I'd be praying for my wife. And that's not to toot my own horn. That's because I was worried. Like, I was worried for her. And so I just, you know, I would wake up when she'd get up to go puke. And I'd pray for her. Not, I wouldn't go and be with her and pray for her. That would make her uncomfortable. I just laid in bed awake and would just pray for her. And it was, it was a tough, it's been a tough week. But she's feeling better. She's feeling a lot better, and she's got a plan to taper off this stuff gradually rather than a huge step from 60 to 30, and she's feeling comfortable there. So it's been that's been good. My business this time of year in February is when I start thinking about new contracts for the new year and new estimates and raising prices and renewal letters and all this stuff. And so February is the time when I do that. So starting this week, I started working on new contracts. Now I did, I have spent time in January producing these new contracts. So the contracts were actually done, but it's the renewal letters and it's also cancellation letters that have to go out for clients that inevitably I have to cancel. And so this was a stressful week for me because I've had all my clients except for a handful for six, seven, eight years. And I've built relationships with these people. And so it is really, really hard to cancel clients these days because they've all been here so long. And I've talked about this before in other episodes that in order to do driveway repair this year and and still have time for my family and yet grow the driveway side of the business, I've got to reduce my route. And so I've had to cut out a whole day uh, of work, which is Friday. Um, Fridays, I service six clients. And so it's like half a day of work, maybe a little bit more than that. But I have to reduce my clients by at least six. And so what was happening is I found six people that I needed to drop. And they were not all on on Friday. In fact, none of them were on Friday. So I had to rework my entire route. I had to rework that all all up and, and calculate how much time each lawn takes, drive time between each lawn to see how, how long these, these lawns are going to take in a day. And 
just working that up. And then the, the, the six clients that I found that I had to drop, it was really tough. So what I ended up doing is I dropped two commercial clients. Um, and both of these have been with me for five years. And one is my insurance agency. And so that one was really tough because I've built a relationship with these people and I really, I enjoy them. I like them a lot, but the two properties are right next to each other and they take a long time. There's a lot of trimming. There's a lot of push mowing and it it just was not feasible. That property took me about two hours to complete and it, it just, it was not feasible to keep these clients anymore. And it was tough. And I get anxiety when I have to cancel clients because I hate letting people down. I hate changing people's world, right? I hate that. I just hate it. I don't want anyone to think badly of me for having to drop them or whatever. And so it was really tough. And these two Normally, if it's a residential client, I will send them a letter. And in that letter, it has a company with all the company's information that I am recommending to, to the client so that it's it can be, if they choose it to be, a seamless transition between my company and a new company. And so I, but with my, and I have that with, with these commercial clients, I have a buddy his name's Jason Kime. He runs a lawn care company here in Lansing called Pro Advantage Lawn Care. He does great work. He's got a couple of crews. Um, he's got all the equipment. I know he does a fantastic job. He, we've kind of been buddies for you know a couple of years now, and so I contacted Jason and I said, you know, I'm getting rid of these two clients, commercial clients would you want to pick them up? And so I gave him the addresses so he could look at them and, and decide what he wanted to do. And so he's, he said, yeah, pass my information along. So I, I called these two commercial clients and that caused a lot of anxiety, but I called them cause I thought, you know, I've built a relationship with these people. The one I've really built a relationship with, they're my insurance agency. You know, my father-in-law used to work there and that's how I originally got the job. And so, you know, I wanted to be as respectful and kind and, and professional as I could. So I call, I wanted to call them and, and, and drop them gently, you know, and the word drop really sounds harsh, but that's, that's what I call it you know, drop them gently. And so I called him up and I said, Hey, you know, my business is moving in another direction. I've got to let you guys go as a client. And it was really hard, but they took it. Well, I gave them right over the phone. I gave them Jason's info and they can choose to contact him or not. Uh, but I, I called both of these businesses and it was, it was pretty seamless. You know, obviously they're going, they're used to letting firing people, whatever. These are fairly big businesses. So they're used to firing people and things like that. So it's not a huge deal, but to me, to me, it's a big deal. And so I had to do that. And then I had five other clients, residential clients that I was planning on getting rid of. So I had typed up all their cancellation letters, had a company um, set to go 
to take them on. And so I had, I had all these cancellation letters enveloped up, enveloped up and ready to send out. They send out, they were actually in the mailbox. The mail had already gone for the day. They were already in the mailbox and I was just sitting and I've, I've devoted, devoted a lot of time of prayer to this, to these decisions because they, like I said, they cause me anxiety and I want to make sure that I'm making the right decision. So I just prayed and prayed and prayed and just, and I, I don't want it to sound woo woo or whatever. You know, I don't, I'm not that type of person. I just believe that prayer works. Okay. And I believe that God hears prayers and that he answers prayers if they're in his will. All right. I don't believe we can command God to heal somebody of cancer. I don't believe that. We can ask him and we can ask him to heal if it's in his will. If it's not in God's will, he's not going to do it anyway. He has a greater purpose for that, right? And so we can't we can't expect our prayers always to be answered in the way we want them to be answered. But we can still ask. We can still ask and petition God to to step in into a situation. And I get that. I'm not saying that God doesn't heal. He absolutely does. I've seen it. All right, but I prayed over the these five clients and and just asked God, you know, am I making the right decision? It just I'm full of anxiety and I don't know if this is the right way to go or not. And so I had them in the mailbox and it was eight o'clock at night last night. I had sent out my spring renewal letter. So every year I send out a letter, it lays out, you know, the changes for the year and different things that people can sign up for, like my 12 month contract, things like that. Or, and it also says at the top, if you want to cancel, you need to cancel in writing before this date and all that stuff. And, um, so I sent these, I sent these letters out. Uh, most of them go out by email and then I have a link to a Google Forms document that I created. And really what it is, it's a survey, but I use it as a renewal form. And this works really well. If you, let me just say this real quick, and then I'll continue with the story. If you want to have confirmation from your clients that they want to continue working with you, this is a great way to do it. Go to Google Forms. You can create a survey. You can ask questions there. You can have them, you can create a spot at the top where they put their name. And then it's a survey. Do you want to continue service this year in 2024? They can click yes or no. Then you go down the line. You can say, do you want to sign up or do you want to sign up or continue with lawn mowing, fall cleanup, spring cleanup, snow removal, all this stuff. And so I have all that in, in this document. And every year I send it out and people, it's so simple, so fast. They can fill it out in five minutes and you get it to your inbox. And it, it, it works really well. And then I write it down or I document it in another, in another um, spreadsheet so that I have all that information so that I can service the client better throughout the year. So with all that going on, um, that was all on just after my wife has gotten better. And so I was stressed out. And so I sent this out yesterday at around 1 p.m. or so. So it's 8 o'clock last night. Cancellation letters are in the mailbox. They The mail was picked up. They're in the mailbox. So they're going to go to, they would have gone today. But they were in there yesterday, last night. And I get a notification from 
one of my clients and she said, and it's a bigger lawn, bigger property. And she said, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to continue lawn service this year. And I'm like, a light bulb went off. Ding. Whoa, hold on. I wasn't expecting this because normally I don't lose any clients. I wasn't expecting this. And I'm like, ooh, this could, this could be a game changer here because I wasn't expecting this cancellation. And so she said, we're not going to be able to continue. And I had already let these two commercial properties go. They take me like two hours. This property takes me about 45 minutes to complete usually, um, which for me, that's a bigger property. And so I was thinking, okay, this could this could potentially be something. So I ran out to the mailbox and I grabbed the cancellation letters out of the mailbox because this person let themselves go so I can bring one of these cancellations back on. And so I went back through all every single day. I have all of my contracts and estimate forms or whatever you want to call them in folders and they're split up by, by route by day. And so I went through each one and I'm looking and I'm calculating the time it's going to take to do each day again. And I'm like, I could fit, I could fit one in there. I could fit one in there. And so I, I, I put one in there and then I kept going through each day and I'm like, you know what? I could put another one in here. I have room in there. I could, if I could shift this lawn over to this day, I can fit another lawn in here. And so that was two cancellations that were back on the list that I didn't have to cancel. And I kept going through and I kept doing the math. I'm like, I could fit these guys in here. I could fit the... And so long story short, every single one except for one, except for one of the clients that I was going to have to cancel, I put back on the list. And it was such a freeing thing. And I was thinking to myself, like, man, this must have been God working and hearing my prayers because I didn't have my cancellation letters ready to go by the time the mail came. Otherwise, I would have had them in the mailbox because I was set on canceling these people. And so I didn't get that done. And then. The mail comes early. We we have our normal mail lady. She doesn't pick up our mail until like 6 p.m. at night. Okay, so our mail person picked up our mail at like 12 noon or so. Six hours before our normal mail person would do it. And so it just seemed to me that God had a different plan. Canceling these five clients would have would have cost me somewhere in the area of a thousand dollars a month. And because I could bring them back on, I now have somewhere in the area of a thousand dollars a month. That's back in, in my business. And I just, I just spent time praying over it. And because I was concerned, I didn't know if I was making the right decision. And it seems to me that God answered my prayer, that God answered my prayers. And 
Is it going to be tough this year? Is the schedule going to be tight? I think so. But I can always cancel lawns if I need to. Or those people might drop off. Because I, I've had to raise my prices again this year by 4%. 4%'s not that much. But in the past years, if you've raised at 30% in the last two years, that seems like a lot. And I raised them 4% just to keep up with inflation. Nothing, nothing radical. I'm not adding $5 to each invoice. Usually it adds like $2 to a cut. So it's not that much money, but it keeps up with inflation. And so I was just so unbelievably grateful for the opportunity to look again with fresh eyes after that client canceled and I was able to bring on four of the five back on the list that I was going to cancel. And that's just, I just wanted to share that with you guys. That's been my week. It's been a stressful week. Now also, I went out and I bought a, a brand new battery for the truck because when I raised the plow on the truck, it really went down in power. Uh, the, the battery. It would kick my heater off and all that stuff. And it was frustrating when I was out plowing. So I thought, you know, maybe this battery is damaged or it's not holding the charge like it should anymore. So I took it out. I took it to AutoZone. I picked up a brand new $400 battery that was supposed to be like best in class, you know, the best thing for a plow truck. I've, I've talked to people about these this battery it's an optima battery okay optima is, used to be i guess one of the best brands of battery so i went and picked this thing up it was 400 bucks very expensive battery very heavy and i brought it home installed it in the truck i'm like dancing around like all right this is going to fix my problem i go my, my truck is a push start so i go push the button click nothing battery dead i put a i put a trickle charger on it it said battery charged to zero percent i was like what in the heck is going on here and so again it's i was frustrated and this was like in the middle all mixed together with the anxiety that i had about these five clients i was canceling and this battery was not a healthy battery so I put the trickle charger on it. I charged it all the way up. I thought, well, maybe maybe it was just dead. Maybe it was just a dead battery. Maybe it's fine and it'll work just fine. So I charged it up, started the truck, ran the plow up and down, side to side, forward and back, all this, all this stuff, making sure that it, it doesn't draw too much from the battery. And it did draw a lot from the battery. It was still doing what the old battery did. So I... I put the plow down, shut the truck off, let the truck sit for four hours, went back out and pushed the push to start button, click. The battery was dead again, completely dead. Put the trickle charger on it, battery charged to 7%. I was like, what in the world is going on? And I was like, something's got to be wrong with the truck or the connections because 
this is a brand new battery. So I cleaned the connections. I sanded them. I did all that stuff. Hooked it back up. Charged it back up. Pushed the button. Started the truck. Let it run for 20 minutes. Shut it down. Waited waited till the next morning. Went out. Pushed the start button. Click. And I'm like, what is going on? I must now have a parasitic draw or something. What I must have damaged this thing. And no. What it was is I took I took the battery out, uh, the new battery. I took it out. I took it back to AutoZone. They checked it. They said, oh, yeah, it's a good battery with their little checker thing or whatever. And I said, you know what? I just want to trade this thing in. I want to get a different battery. So I got a different battery. It's a little better than the old one that I had, and but it was a lot cheaper. It was almost 200 bucks cheaper than the, the one I returned. And I brought it home. I installed it. Started up the truck just fine. Then I went and did a couple of driveway estimates. It's been so mild here that I was, I'm was i able to do driveways right now, which is awesome. And so <clears throat> I went and did a couple of driveway estimates. Came back. And I'm like, oh, man. I prayed again. I'm like, I just pray that this thing would work. That, this, that it would not be some parasitic draw that I can't find. And I pray that it wouldn't be the alternator, you know, because it was, I was worried. So I, I just left it. I we got home. I left it, left it all the way till this morning. I went out this morning at seven o'clock. I went out, pushed the start button, started right up. I was thrilled. I'm like, yes. I, my wife was loading my son into the car and to go to school. And I'm like, Yes, I raised my hands in victory, and I'm like, I feel like Rocky Balboa. You know, I want to run up some stairs. <laughs> it was, and I, as she was pulling out, she rolled down her window, and I said, Adrian! You know, because, you know, it was good. Uh, so that was a great ending to the battery saga and my week. Just my, I've just had such a stressful week, but. The reason I say this, and it all ties in a little bit, I guess, to Faith Friday. It's not going to tie into what we're reading about today in Acts, but just that prayer works. Prayer works. And even when it seems like prayer doesn't work, prayer works. God is listening. God listens to our prayers. Even if that truck would have had some sort of parasitic draw off of the battery where it was draining the battery. And I'm no electrician. I'm no auto mechanic. I was worried that yeah, I'm going to have to take this thing in and try to get the, the, the repair place, the repair shop to find it. They might not look at it because it's got all this plow crap and wiring in the truck. I was just worried. But God answers prayer. And I've seen it over and over and over again. Uh, and it, it's just it's just amazing how prayer works. And so with that, we're transitioning now into the Faith Friday segment. So if you just wanted to hear how my week was, you can fall off now. That's fine. Or you can listen. I would prefer that you listen, but it's okay. One way or another, I don't mind. We're going into the Faith Friday episode today. We are in the book of Acts. If you're new here, I should have said this way at the beginning, but I didn't. So if you're new to the podcast, 
I've been in the lawn care business for 10 years now. Uh, I still work solo except for in the summer when my son comes out and works with me a day or two a week. He's 14, so um, he's gotten better and better over the years. He's worked with me since he was 11. So that's been nice. Um, So anyway, I've been in the business for 10 years. And what I have found over those 10 years, and this is why I do a Faith Friday episode, is that faith in in Jesus has a huge impact on the success of your business. Faith in general, faith in general, whether it's in whatever religion, you know, I, I would prefer that you believe in Jesus Christ and that you would believe that in God the Father. But if you don't, faith, having faith in something does help. But I believe the only true God is is God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I believe. So if that turns you off to my podcast, so be it. I'm okay with that. But I believe faith plays a huge role in running a successful, prosperous business. And so that's why I do a Faith Friday episode, because I think we all need it. And there are guys out there working in the lawn care industry, they push themselves so hard that they they don't have time to go to church on Sunday, which really I would encourage you. You need to be a part of a body, a local body in your community, a church body where you go to church. So if you need to shorten your schedule so to make that happen, I encourage you to do that because you need it. We all need it. We cannot do the Christian life alone. We can't do it. All right. So with all that being said, we're jumping into Acts chapter 6. We've been going through the whole book of Acts. So we started at chapter 1. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, you can go back and listen to those. Or you can jump in right here. It doesn't really matter. Um, Acts chapter 6, the way we do it here is I read the entire chapter. Today it's only 15 verses, going to be pretty short. And then we go back to the beginning and we go verse by verse back through it, okay? Now, I give a disclaimer every episode. I am not a Bible scholar. I didn't go to Bible school. I just love the Word of God and I love sharing it with people. And I love encouraging people with it. All right? And sometimes it's not encouraging. Sometimes, if you've ever read any part of the Bible, sometimes the Bible is not encouraging. Sometimes the Bible is rebuking. Sometimes it makes you feel bad because you're not living right according to the standards of the Bible. And it's a book that you can live by. In fact, I was just reading in the Old Testament this morning in my quiet time in Leviticus. If you don't know what Leviticus is, it's a book of the Bible. It's in the first five books. It's part of the law, the Jewish law. It's part of the Pentateuch, and that's one of the five books of Moses, okay? And I think so anyway, I'm pretty sure. Deuteronomy. Yeah, yeah, it's part of the five books. So, um, sorry guys, I had a brain fart there. Um, It's all the rules and regulations for the priests, for the church, for health and wellness. So, I was reading this morning in a long chapter about skin diseases. And in the Old Testament, and way back when, 
when you got a skin disease, there really wasn't doctors per se. If you got something weird on your skin, you had to go show yourself to the priest. And it goes through and it tells you, like, if you get a, a sore on your body and it's white in the center and all the hairs in that sore turn white, you are unclean. That's an infection. And you know what? We could look for that today. It's practical. And it goes through the whole chapter, giving you practical advice on if a sore looks like this, it's an infection and you're unclean. Now, today we wouldn't call it unclean because we have sanitizer. We have we can wash our bodies. We have soap, right? And they had soap somewhat but I'm sure it wasn't like antibacterial like we've got today. We've also got antibiotics. They didn't have antibiotics then. So they were unclean. They had to be quarantined. And so it was all practical health advice that we could use today. And the Bible is for living, right? It's, it's for everyday life. You can apply every single part of the Bible to your life. It is not some boring book, all right? There, good grief, there's sex workers in the Bible. Now, God does not approve of sex workers or people doing sex work. He doesn't approve of that, but they are in the Bible. It's a sin. It's in the Bible. There's wars. There's murders. There's, there's espionage. There's, there's conspiracy. There's all sorts of stuff in the Bible that is just exciting. There's poetry, there's wisdom that, I mean, if you say the Bible is boring, you must be reading a different Bible because this thing is not boring at all. You just got to read it with a good set of eyes and a good mind. And you will see that this Bible is extremely exciting. Now, does it get long-winded in some places? Absolutely. Some things like in Leviticus, it's long. It is long. And it's, it's man, it, in some parts it's dry, right? Because it's the law. It's just law. It's reading the law. And if you didn't know, most of America's laws came from the Word of God. You wouldn't really know that if you didn't know the Word of God, but that's exactly where the core of American rule of law came from. So, all that being said, I just want to encourage you to get into the Word of God. I don't care where you read. I don't care where you start. If you've never read in the Bible before, I would definitely encourage you to start with the Gospels, which is basically a little past the, the middle of the Bible. It starts with Matthew. The Gospels start with Matthew. So you could start there, or you could start in John. A lot of people say to start in John. Now, there's two Johns. There's a John, just John, and there's a 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. They're both written by the same John, but they are different. The 1st John is a gospel. It's a story. It's a narrative. It is not. It's a It's a recounting of Jesus' life. Okay? The other Johns, the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, those are letters, okay? So they're very short, and they're letters to the church, okay? So that's much different. Um, So I would encourage you to start either in Matthew or John, if you've never read the Bible before. 
or if you've read in the Bible, but all you've ever read is Proverbs. Because there's a lot of people today that all they read is Proverbs because they want to use the Bible. They want to use the Bible as as something that they can better their life with. And you, you can definitely do that. There is plenty of wisdom in the Bible. But if you're only reading Proverbs, you're not getting the full scope of why there is such wisdom in Proverbs. The reason there's wisdom in Proverbs is because Solomon prayed to the Lord and asked him for wisdom. And God blessed him with wisdom, wisdom higher than anyone else on earth. He, he was, he is, was the wisest man who ever lived. And so he got that wisdom from faith in the Lord. And he, he did plenty wrong. He was, he was an adulterer, I think. Pretty, yeah, he was, because he had he had uh, sex workers in his kingdom. He was King Solomon, so he had concubines, which are basically sex workers, uh, and <laughs> and uh, God did not approve of these things, but he let them happen, and that that is what God does. God doesn't approve of everything we do, but He does let things happen. He doesn't keep us from sin. We can choose. To sin. So, all that being said, that doesn't really have any bearing on what we're talking about today, and I know I'm getting long-winded, and I'm sorry about that, but right now, let's jump into Acts chapter 6, okay? I'm going to start reading at, at verse 1. If, you ha- if you're at home listening to this, grab your Bible, read along. I'm reading out of the NIV. If you're reading out of something else, that's awesome, all right? Acts chapter 6. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurius, Nicanon, which not Nick Cannon, but Nicanor, sorry, some of these names are really weird, Uh, Timon, Parmenus, something like that, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedom, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene 
and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia. These men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who were test, who testified, This fellow never stops, stops speaking against the holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs of Moses and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And that ends Acts chapter 6. As I said, very short. Now let's go back to verse 1. Now we are, let's read verse 1 and then I'll give you some backstory here. In those days, when the number of disciples were was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained, against the Hebraic Jews, or the Hebrew Jews, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. All right, so, daily distribution of food. If you go back in Acts, when the early church started, all the believers got together, and they would bring their, their extra, and they would lay it at the feet of the disciples. And the disciples would distribute it among the church to anyone who had need. And so that's what this is referencing to. Now, Grecian Jews, those are Greek people who became Jews. All right. And so they're, they're being overlooked in the food distribution, or they're not getting as much, or they're getting, they're not getting equal treatment as the Hebraic Jews were getting. Verse two. So the 12 gathered all the disciples. So the 12, being the 12 disciples, gathered all, all the disciples, which means all the men of the church who were believers. They gathered them together. At least I think that's what it means. I could be wrong there. Maybe each, each person of the 12 had their own kind of disciples. So that could be what it means. It could just be the, all the men of the church, though. I don't know. It doesn't say. So we'll, we'll just go with the disciples of the 12. Okay, so just to be more confusing, the disciples of the 12 disciples, okay? Verse 2, so the 12 gathered all the, the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Okay, so that seems kind of like an insult, right? Like it's, it's beneath us to to take on this responsibility of distributing food and such. That's not what they're saying. It sounds like that, but that's not what they're saying. In fact, they are saying it is our job as the 12 disciples, the 12 disciples that walked with Jesus. It's our job to devote ourselves to ministry and to prayer and to sharing God's word. That is our responsibility. And the church had grown so much. I mean, in one day, the church grew by 3,000. In another 
and another time it grew by 5,000. So the church was getting huge and they had to, they had to delegate because it was getting, it was way too much for them to handle. So that's what it's saying here. It's saying the 12 gathered and all the disciples together said it is, um, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So they, they had to delegate. All right. Verse three, brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. So they, they said to all their disciples, pick seven, pick seven guys who, you know, follow Christ and they are, you know, they are full of the spirit. They have a good reputation. All right. And choose them. Verse four, and we'll give our attention to prayer and, and we'll give, or I'm sorry, and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So what he's saying there, and I should read that all together. Let me start at verse three and we'll read those two verses together because it'll make more sense. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this minute this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So the disciples knew that they had to be in prayer and it it goes in that order, right? It doesn't go ministry of the word and prayer. It is prayer and the ministry of the word. It is so, so important. And there's a quote that I, I read from my commentary here, and I wanted to share it with you guys because it was good. It was a quote. If I can find it here, uh, where is it? Okay, let me read here. The 12 apostles realized that there were, with increasing growth of the church, some provisions would have to be made for handling these business matters. They themselves did not want to forsake the ministry of the word of God in order to handle financial matters. So they counseled that the church should designate seven spiritual men to handle the temporal affairs of the church. Although these men are not designated deacons in the church, it is not unreasonable to think of them as such. In the expression, serve tables, the word serve is the verb form of the noun from which we gather the English word deacon. So their function literally was to deacon tables. Okay, now here we go. Uh, Let's see. The apostles will give themselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The order here is significant. First prayer, then the ministry of the word. They made it a point to speak to God about men before speaking to men about God. That's what I wanted you to hear. They made it a point to speak to God about men before speaking to men about God. So we need to do that as well. We need to do that as well. We need to be in prayer. If we're going to minister to people, we need to pray for those people before we minister. Because it, it's so important. The order in which that is done matters. Prayer, then ministry. Not the other way around. Verse 5. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. 
also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, something like that, Timon, Parm Parmenas, I'm sorry guys, this is really painful to listen to, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert of to Judy to Judaism. So those were the guys they picked. Verse 6, they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So if if you're pretty new to the church, okay? If you've gone to church and th- something is happening up front, maybe somebody is getting into ministry or somebody is leaving that particular church and going to do ministry somewhere else, a lot of times you will see the leadership of the church or the entire church in, in my church's case, will come up and lay hands on these people and pray. We'll pray over them and we will bless them and we'll send them out. And so that's what's happening if you see that in church. We just follow the Bible's example. We follow the biblical example of this, of this scenario here. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Verse 7, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests, so Jewish Jewish priests, became obedient to the faith. So the even priests in the Jewish faith were believing in Jesus Christ. Notice, after they delegated the responsibility to these seven men, men to take care of the needs of the church, the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. That's That can be a picture for business, and it can be a pa- picture for the church, right? If, if we have a pastor who devotes himself to prayer and to ministry, and we have deacons who devote themselves to taking the care of the needs of the church, whether that's financial, whether that's um, needs like clothes or whatever, the word of God will spread rapidly. The church becomes healthier, in other words, because we're taking care of every single part of the church. So we can take that to the bank. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. When you're obedient to what to what God's leading you to do. Now you need to confirm what God is leading you to do with the word of God. And then, in my opinion, you need to confirm with two other strong believers that what you are thinking that God is leading you to do is actually what he's leading you to do. Okay? But I'm just I want to reiterate that that they delegated and then the the word of God spread even faster. Okay? Let's go to verse 8. This is the introduction of Stephen, okay? And we're going to the story is split between 6 and 7, chapter 6 and 7. So we are going to get into the meat of the story next week. Let's continue on. Verse 8. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. This guy was doing miracles. He was full of the Spirit. He was full of God's grace and power. 
He did wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Okay? So this was not just your ordinary believer. Like he was he was spirit-filled. Like he was some in today's language, he was the man. All right? Verse 9. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedom, as it was called back then. Jews of Cyrene and Alexander also as well as the province of Cilicia and Asia. These men began to argue with Stephen. So these guys essentially picked a fight. Okay, they they did not agree. They did not believe in Jesus Christ. They and there are Jews today who are very opposed to Jesus Christ. Like they view him as as a as a blasphemer someone to be killed they still believe that jesus it was right to crucify jesus all right and so they are not open to the gospel at all so they 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 get all in an uproar and they start arguing with stephen these men began to argue with stephen verse 10 but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by which he spoke. In other words, these guys looked dumb compared to Stephen. These guys could not stand up to his to his wisdom, his his mental prowess, or the spirit by which he spoke, because these Jews did not have the spirit of God. Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit was speaking through him. These guys were never going to win in an argument with Stephen. Verse 11. Then they strictly persuaded some men to say, or I'm sorry, let me start that again. Then they secretly, not strictly, secretly persuaded some men to say, quote, we have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. Because this was a big blasphemy was was you know it was punishable by death in the jewish in the jewish culture so it was a big deal to blaspheme god especially but moses too because moses was like the father right so you're speaking he we've heard him speak against moses and against god verse 12 so they stirred up the people and the elders so the elders of the jewish synagogue and the teachers of the law so the priests, they, they stirred them up because they, they, they were telling lies. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, if you don't know what that is, if you haven't been listening to the series, the Sanhedrin is the ruling body of the Jewish church, okay? Or, or the Jewish faith, all right? In Jerusalem, verse 13, they produced false witnesses who testified, quote, this fellow never stops speaking against the holy place, which is the synagogue, and against the law. So he never stopped speaking badly about the synagogue. He's cursing the synagogue. He's cursing the law. He never stopped speaking about it. He never shuts up. I've heard it with my own ears. And they're lying. Verse 14, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs of Moses handed down to us. Okay, Stephen never said that. 
Jesus said that he would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days because that was a picture of Jesus dying and rising again in three days. And the temple was now in our hearts. It was no longer the building temple. It was in our hearts. Jesus was coming into residence in the person. All right. And so that was what Jesus was talking about. These people would probably have heard Jesus say, or it had heard what Jesus had said, that he would destroy the temple. And so let's read that again. Verse 14, for we have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. So he's going to change the customs. And, and Stephen is saying that you don't have to follow the customs of Moses. And we are, we're, we're really upset. And they, they were in a tizzy, right? They got everybody worked up. Verse 15, last verse. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen. And they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. In other words, another interpretation of that would be his face was calm, cool, collected. He wasn't worried. He wasn't, wasn't, um, he wasn't distraught by the lies they were telling. He was, his face was, was so at ease that it looked like an angel. Now it could have been that his face was glowing like an angel that has happened in the past um, in texts of the Bible. So that could be, but I think it's more that he was relaxed. He was relaxed. They didn't see the pain of being found out in a lie. They didn't see that on his face. And I think that's a better interpretation, but it, it could be that his face was shining like an angel. Let's read that again. Verse 15. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen. And they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. You can pretty well tell if some, when someone's been caught in a lie. You can pretty well tell. There are some, you know, psychopaths and things like that that you can't tell. Like, it's like their stone face. This guy, th that was not it. They could see that there was something different about his face, that he was, he was a lot different than others that they had brought before the Sanhedrin who were caught in blasphemy and who were talking about the temple and Moses and the law. And they, they could tell there was something different because this, they all know this means if, if he's found guilty, this means death. This means death. And he's just standing there like, Maybe even with a smile on his face. Like, okay, you can say what you want. He's relaxed. And we will find out what happens to Stephen in next week's episode. <laughs> How's that for a cliffhanger? All right, guys, this was kind of a long episode, but I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the first half, talked about my week and the business and things like that. And then the second half where we dove into the Bible. Um, I tell you, I love these Faith Friday episodes. I know that this week I didn't get out episodes. I already explained that, but I hope that this satisfied your craving for some mowing in the dark, uh, lawn care content, and Faith Friday content. So with that being said, guys, we are running up on an hour. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you would, click that follow button on whatever podcast thing you're listening to. I would really appreciate that so that you are notified whenever I put out a new video or a new episode, rather. Also, I have a Facebook group um, for this podcast. It's uh, just Mowing in the Dark Lawn Care Podcast. And you can go look that up on Facebook. Um, I did have to make it private because I was getting some spam messages of sexual content in there that was not good. I didn't want it in there. So I did have to make it private. So you just have to request to become a member. Okay. Um, because you know, I don't want that nasty sexual content in there. And so you can go there, you can ask questions. That's a great place to ask questions about the faith Friday episode. If you have a question about something I said, if you want to refute something I said, I am open to that. I am never, ever opposed to hearing your opinion on something I said or something I read in the word. All right. Or maybe my view is wrong of something in the word. I'm not opposed to that. So please hit me up. You can message me on Facebook personally at Aaron Sutter, or you can message me on the mowing in the dark, or you can leave a comment on the mowing in the dark podcast website or Facebook group, or you can hit me up on Instagram at Lansing Lawn Service. So That's it for this episode, guys. Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you in the next Faith Friday episode.